This is a story of sorts, the podcast mostly about bookish stuff. Welcome everyone, Karina here. On this episode, I talk with Martinique Memes about her debut middle grade book, Through the Colors of a Butterfly, which comes out on the 23rd of February. Martinique also talks about her work as a recruitment manager for an education non-profit organization. Have a listen. Hi Martinique, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Hello, thank you. I would like to start by asking you to introduce yourself, so your name and what you do. Awesome. Well, first, I just want to say um, this is great to get a chance to like really travel um, to new locations through a podcast. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, I'm from Ohio and you're in Rotterdam and um, I just love that. It's amazing. So, but my name, like you said, is Martinique and I'm the recruitment manager for an education nonprofit called City Year. Um, and I sit in Cleveland, but we are a national organization. It's an AmeriCorps program. So our overall goal is service to a cause greater than self. That's one of our values. But um, we really look to build up youth and their identity and close the achievement gap. And we are in high pressure right now, especially with mm -hmm. everything going on um, in the virtual space. Um, so we're just making sure that we're really encouraging and uplifting our youth um, just during these times. But Yeah, um, I'm currently in the process of self-publishing my first children's book. Yay. It's a picture book. <laughs> yeah, so it's set to release um, this month. Uh, we've been in the illustration phase for some time throughout the end of 2020. And seeing that whole process has been amazing um, from blank page to a sketch to the coloring pages. It's getting really real. But I'm excited um, because I'm really stepping out of my comfort zone. It's a really big project for me. And what is the title of the book? What is it about target age? Yeah, so um, the book is titled Through the Colors of a Butterfly. And uh, the age group is seven and up. I'm really leaning on third grade because that is the group that I work with when I was an AmeriCorps member. And that experience really uh, made an impact on my life for sure. So, And it should be out. Do you have already a release date? Not yet. <laughs> No, but um, the plan is to have it in February, so stay tuned for yes. an actual date. Um, but yeah, yeah, so um, it's got to be, yeah, a month. I will be sure to actually post when the book is out uh, yeah. once we have like a date uh, on my Instagram account so awesome. people can, can follow it. When did the idea to write this book come to you Was uh, and what was the inspiration behind it? I always knew that I wanted to create some type of programming, something for like cartoons for kids when I was like a teenager, mm -hmm. because I always I loved watching like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, all that kind of stuff, um, even in my teenage years. And so I just noticed that the, the programming was changing for children and I didn't really like it. You know, I felt <laughs> like they were missing something, but it could be bias, you know. <laughs> yeah, we always um, like yeah. the things when we watched as children <laughs> yep 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 growing up in the 90s is different so um but you know it was like me just talking out the side of my neck like oh yeah I'm gonna do this and never really thinking I would do anything really but uh, as the years went on I kept seeing the content again for kids changing and what actually inspired me to really sit down and write this book is I applied for a fellowship with Sesame Street 
And it's called yeah. the Sesame Street Writers Workshop. Um, now, I didn't get accepted, <laughs> which is totally okay. Um, but it kind of pushed me um, into writing uh, a book because for the application process, you had to write a script or a storyline. And I created this, this story about a dream. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Um, and that's like my passion book right there. So I, ha- I didn't want to do that first, but that really kicked me to knowing that, oh, it's time. It's time to create something. Put it out there. Mm-hmm. And does the butterfly in the title represent something is in specific to the story? Why did you decide to call it Through the Colors of a Butterfly? Yeah, this is, I'm so glad you're making me reflect. I started this journey last February and it's all coming full circle. Um, so it's really important time to reflect on this because timing is really funny. Um, but I, I thought about, and this is, I guess, not necessarily thinking about the theme of the book too much, but in 2018, I think I was driving around constantly and I always kept seeing butterflies or I would be somewhere and I point out a butterfly and the person with me would never see it. And I'm like, what? You, come on. And I would see like four or five butterflies every day. And the feeling that I got when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is, this means something. And so I knew that I wanted to write something about a butterfly um, and how, you know, its intricacies can really shape us. And mm-hmm. I, that's how kind of the story came to life and how the title came to be. Um, but I'm also working with a group. It's called a self-publishing school. Shout out to my coach, Marcy Pusey. She's awesome. <laughs> Check her out. Um, but she actually had me like sit down and think about my theme, my characters, my plot, and then the title. And so I had about five different titles, but they all somehow had butterflies in it. And then this one, just, uh, just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Unique, uh, who is the main character, has a prosthetic leg and is co-captain of our school's soccer team. So on one hand, you're bringing a narrative that highlights difference and the pursuit of our passions in spite of those differences. But it also seems to go against gender norms. Would you like to talk more about that? Was this fight against gender norms something you decided to include on purpose or does the character just happen to like soccer? Mm-hmm. These are good questions. Thank oh you. my gosh. Um, you're the first person who uh, interviewed me and actually read the, the book. So mm-hmm. before, nobody even saw it. Um, yeah. So this is really good for me to think about my actual what's in the book. <laughs> um, but I actually, I didn't think too hard about it. I just felt that this particular little girl would like to play sports. Um, When I was thinking about the story, I truly wanted her to be a unique character. I like the contrast too of this butterfly, you know, you often associate it with fairies or flowers and things of that nature, but I wanted it to meet this little girl that was a bit sporty. Um, And I thought that would be a really great thing. In my mind, it just looked nice. And I think it's just cool that she likes butterflies, you know, but also wants to run and kick a ball yeah being delicate but also fierce yes oh that's nice I like that yes delicate but fierce um yeah I I really you're right the gender norms I didn't want people to just think oh this is a little butterfly book no it's about differences and it's anybody can read it because we are unique so 
And this book talks about being an outcast, um, but also about how lonesome it can be to move away from your hometown and start anew without knowing anyone. Is this something you have experienced personally, this longing to belong and to try to fit in, which probably is, we all try it, right? Mm. And is there anything um, about the character based on personal experience? Why did you choose this theme and why does it speak to you? Oh my goodness, yes, yes. So <laughs> um, as I was expressing the need to do this particular book as like my first ever author debut, <laughs> my coach Marcy really had me think about my life. And um, she told me like, did I think this character related to me? And at first I was like, no, this is just my <laughs> little girl that I thought up. Um, and she was like, little do authors know, most stories are about themselves. Sometimes those, again, those little intricacies in our characters are there. And little did I know she was right. And I really had to sit and think about myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wrote a little bit about myself. What? Without realizing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Unique is pretty similar to me. It has nothing to do with the name, Martinique Unique. Um, you can find that in there, <laughs> but um, it's not even why I named her that. I really wanted this thing to just be purely about discovering you that you are unique. But yeah, so getting back kind of to your question, I can honestly say that I've felt very different and felt like maybe others, you know, wouldn't like me without ever getting to know them, right? Mm -hmm. Or oftentimes I assume things without building any relationship first. People often say I'm a bit quirky, <laughs> and I agree. And I always just felt kind of different, you know. Um, but now that I'm growing into myself and owning everything, I'm okay with who I am and recognizing um, I don't have to hide or try to be someone else, you know. There's a blogger that I follow. She posted something that said, I want people to like me, but I don't care if they do. And I really like that. Yeah. Once you reach that point, ah. Uh, you're good. Yeah, because I also think sometimes we don't even give people the chance to get mm -hmm. to know us because we immediately assume they're not going to like us. Yes. Yes. And that's that's kind of how I was kind of growing up. I was really quiet. So like in the story, Unique doesn't speak in school. Mm -hmm. She doesn't talk. She's kind of off by herself. She'll engage a little bit. And that's kind of how I was. So, yeah. What about the, the writing process? How long did it take to you? Uh, to complete this book from start to finish? Um, so the writing process, actually, it wasn't all that bad for me, to be honest. And once we got into um, lockdown, I started to see how my time shifted and I had a little bit more time, right? A lot of us, all of us pretty much did. Um, so I had time to really think about the story and just write. But here's what happened. The plan was to have the book done and published within six to eight months, but it has literally taken me a full year. Um, so I, I kind of feel like, oh my God, I'm so behind. <laughs> but it's fine. You know, it's helped me to kind of tweak the story and change some things. But actually writing it took me about two and a half months. So. Yeah. Um, without many spoilers, what's your favorite scene of the book? Oh, okay. So, and that, any little detail that you love more than everything else? <laughs> I think I actually have two. Um, the first opening page with Unique and her mom and her sister during the move from the old house to the new. This was one of the first scenes that I saw from the illustrator. And I think it has a special place right here in my mind because seeing that um, really gave me a great feeling. And also, um, 
it's just the introduction to the little girl's journey and I like that and the second page um, I like it's we call it the big reveal mm -hmm. um, it's a spot illustration actually and I like this because of Unique's facial expression it's like spot on for what I envision <laughs> um, the illustrator got it on point and also um, the little student that sits behind her on that picture page she's actually um, a real life person she was one of my students I had when I worked as an AmeriCorps member and she gave me a picture of herself from like second grade and we added it into the book so it's super special I was actually going to ask you about the illustrations. Um, they're created by Sequoia Bostic. I hope I'm saying the name right as well. Yes, yes. Um, how did you decide who the right illustrator for the book was? Yeah, great question. So really big shout out to Sequoia Bostic. You can check her out on Sequoia Illustrations on Instagram. Um, she's really awesome to work with. But um, I actually um, was told through self-publishing about finding the right illustrator for your vision. Um, and I thought about who I may know in my community. Mm -hmm. I'm big on like collaboration and supporting local artists. It's very important to me that we recognize and support one another. And so I wanted to find an illustrator of color. And I'm actually a small local performer in Cleveland. And I've worked with Sequoia on a few productions um, with a theater, a small theater company called Maelstrom Collaborative Arts. Shout out to them. <laughs> and I knew she could draw. And I just checked out her work, wanted to know if she'd be game to join me on a, a new personal project. And she agreed. And we just dived in. How was that process? How do you explain to someone what your character looks like in your mind? And how long did it take for you to, to be on the same page about the characters, color scheme, which scenes to illustrate? Yeah, yeah. So this is a, um, a very important process because this person's name will be on your book too. Mm -hmm. And they're someone you will be in communication with for some time, possibly longer than your editor. And so you want it to be smooth and you want it to be nice. So the first thing I did was I told her the theme of the story. And I asked if she illustrated children's books or um, would like an opportunity to do so. I wasn't sure what she was into um, as far as like, you know, book writing and yeah. stuff like that. And she said, yeah. And so then I moved into providing her sample descriptions of the main character. And then in that Word document, it was paired with a small sample scene that I already written and then demographics of the character. So she took that. And I said, like, just give me one illustration of what you think she would look like. And so she sent me a sample of it. Um, and I loved it. And we went over Zoom. And once I could see that she was like hitting on the idea of the character and that she was willing to change or add things to bring the story to life. From there, we both um, confirmed that we wanted to work together. But I also wanted to mention, which is very important, even though we knew each other, and even though we've exchanged emails and things of that nature, um, there was still a contract created. It is accountability for both of us, as well as a, a step to making sure that this is done very professionally. That's safe. And what did you enjoy the most about writing this book? What did I enjoy the most about writing this book? Oh, um, I think I'm realizing that I can stick to a, a new commitment 
And although mm-hmm. I had a few setbacks, I kept going. Um, this is a pretty big thing for me. It may not be too big to others, but putting yourself out there and being serious and stepping into the writing world, a new world for authors, it, it can be daunting. But the process and the learning has given me confidence that I didn't realize that it would. So, What was the most challenging? Or And I'm going to rephrase this question in the sense that you are putting out a book when the pandemic is still strong. Oh so how are you feeling about that? But you can also talk like throughout the book, what was the most challenging um, in writing it? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I had a lot of going into it. Obviously, when I signed up for the school, I signed up for the self-publishing school in late January. So I had no idea like anything would happen. So I'm just like, oh yeah, this will be great. <laughs> but then when the pandemic hit and it, you know, we thought it was going to be three weeks. Then we thought a month and then it's gone into six yeah. months, eight months, a year. I really was thinking, oh, is this the right thing to do? Like, you know, to say, oh, hey everybody, I'm writing a book. You know, this is a very serious time and a very sensitive time. And so I kind of felt weird throughout the process at certain stages, especially when we started getting into the illustration phase. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do it. But I kept hearing from other people. And as I was going through the process of like building the brand, that's been a very big challenge. But as I was going through those processes and sharing that online or telling my coworkers or something like that, my family, they're like, this is an encouraging piece. Like, go ahead and do it. We need something to smile about. And I'm like, okay. And I kept hearing that from multiple people, not like one or a family friend, you know, somebody trying to build me up. Um, And I'm like, okay. You're right. Okay, this is good. So some of the things are changing around the what I'm putting in the book and why um, because of everything that's going on currently in the world. But yeah, the, the building the brand, though, has been a big challenge. You know, I thought that the biggest thing is building the website. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some people say don't build your website until after your book is done. But in my opinion, I think you should already have a website. Yeah. Um, before your book comes out so people can find you I think it helps with trust yes yes they know you're a real person they know who you are they see you there you go and that's what I felt I'm like oh I don't know how I'm gonna go about telling people oh yeah I'm doing a book but where can I find this (laughs) so I started doing the website and I thought it was gonna take two weeks but it took Mm -hmm. three months and (laughs) I mean I was in tears some days like one day it was just like really bad the website was crashing it wasn't working properly so you have to really have patience with the process and that especially if you're very serious about becoming an author as a career Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and and then the next thing is oh my gosh the social media so I personally not really that great with social media and the content keeping up and being consistent it is a job and so I often tell people social media is a job I'm not getting paid for it can be really hard because you can lose like not lose or waste but it can take many hours to just have a post right and I'm not even saying about going on for example, Instagram and making the post, but preparing the photos, preparing the text, etc. <laughs> yes, no one thinks about it. So um, that has been a learning process for me as well. And learning about just being consistent and carving out time if you're very serious about something. So, yeah. so going into this one, uh, actually, do you have any tips for the view authors that you wished you knew before you started? And this can be about writing, but about the publishing industry too. Yeah. Um, so 
I would say make sure you just start writing. And uh, you hear a lot of people say that, right? You're like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, really, just write anything that comes to mind. Put it down in your paper. If you have to um, actually write it out on, um, you know, a journal or in your Word documents, put it in there. Just do it. So once you have it done, I know some people get stuck with like, oh, I have to self-edit. I have to review it constantly. Or do it once or twice, maybe three times. But, oh, my gosh, move on. Find your editor and get the ball rolling. And then also in between all that, make sure you know your why. Like, why are you writing? A lot of people aren't clear on that. Some people want to write a book just to say they wrote a book. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Like, that's like a bucket list goal, right? Yeah. Um, so some want to write or leave a legacy piece behind for their family or just to share a story and expose people to reading. And some just want to make some money. Um, and that's all OK. Um, but you must know your why so you can oftentimes prevent disappointment and then know your target market. And that will all shape your writing. What are your goals for this book personally as an author, but also as an educator? Yeah, so um, this book I see as my starter book. It is my introduction as a new author in the writing world. And again, I want children to see characters they may not have thought of, known of, or see characters that remind them of themselves and to know that they can be somebody. Mm -hmm. um, my goal is to definitely um, publish more books I have like three other ideas in mind as we speak. Right. And I would just love to spread and share the good word and encourage and uplift young people and their families. You were talking about your website. And actually, when I went to the website, my first thought was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> it looks so pretty because it's not just looks professional because it does because it has a lot of information. That's how I found the illustrator as well. Super handy. But then it's just so pretty as well, so well thought of. And um, it's filled with resources, including how to keep students engaged while, while working from home. And since the pandemic isn't going anywhere soon, mm -hmm. what would you recommend to those studying or working from home? Well, thank you first um, so much for seeing my site and uh, giving me some of that feedback. Um, I'm so happy to hear that. It looks it's good. beautiful. Honestly, it's so pretty. Awesome. That That's why I thought, is is she really just a debut author? And I'm not saying just, sorry, that that wasn't uh, to diminish it. it. was like, this is just so good. The The website seems to to be so for so much more. Good. Oh, that was my heart to hear. Because listen, I'm serious. There were tears. <laughs> tears. Oh. So, um, that's good to hear. I'm still um, learning how to figure out some tweaks that are little glitches that are happening. But, you know, I'm going to have a lot of skills after this. That's for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're making it by yourself. Yeah, so I oh, did. Wow. I would encourage also another thing. Um, there's a lot of resources and platforms that authors can go on, like Red Sea and, oh, what's the other one? Oh, I'm getting a blank. But you can find um, people to help build your website mm -hmm. um, for, you know, a variety of pricing. Um, but I've had people help me along the way. And now I'm realizing, oh, you know, I'm just going to have to do this myself and learn mm -hmm. it myself because this like you said, like, this is going to be actual author career. So I'm going to have to get on that website often and change things. So it's all been a learning process. I'm 
involved in tech now so <laughs> and it's also easier i guess once you get it to oh, do yes. what you imagine than to tell someone else how you want it yes and then I you also don't have to i don't know how you feel about it but i also feel a bit like i don't like telling people well this is not really what i wanted yes yes that was so hard um and now that you know you can find a lot of things are on youtube right so i've googled how to you know put code in and all that kind of stuff so <laughs> um i never would have i never would have thought i would be doing that um so this this journey that's why i, I I really do appreciate the whole writing space and becoming the author brand because I'm learning so much about what does it really mean to build a business as an author. So yeah, like you said, talking about um, working from home, I think that recognizing and owning that it's going to be hard in some spots, it, you know, and that you can possibly lose motivation, that's real. Being honest with yourself is the first starting um, point um, and giving yourself grace. So taking a moment to step away from your computer and um, not just to have lunch, you know, really step away, walk away, do something else, look at something else, look at a wall. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think it's really important, but I work with young people. And sometimes I get uh, to create some fun like workshops with them. And I recently did a workshop on reflection, a reflection session. But yeah, so I just talked to them about the meaning of self-care. And I told them, <laughs> this is one piece in the, the process uh, in that workshop. I told them to like text someone they haven't spoken to in some time and check in on them. You know, it could even be your ex. Like they're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> No, I say do it. We don't know what's happening in the world. Um, you don't want to leave something that could be addressed behind because we're, you know, we're all people. But yeah, I did that with 76 people on a Zoom call and it, I, I hoped it worked. <laughs> basically, usually like we have a friend that doesn't allow you to text your ex. <laughs> I know. You're kind of the opposite. <laughs> I know. I guess it depends on really what happened, right? Of course. Um, but, um, I say, and it really has to be like, you're not trying to step back into their life, but just being a person and checking on someone, I think you never know what that could do. And I also said, just a friend you haven't spoken to, right? But yeah, I, I say to take some steps. Uh, don't try to like bust things out all in one day. I'm just learning that because it can be very overwhelming. Um, you know, just, just try to figure out your own work pace and so yeah. that you don't get bombarded. And know that you don't need to work to have a reward. You can just yes. rest for resting. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Was it difficult for you, like during the pandemic, to write? Because a lot, I, like you used to, you also write slam poetry. So you've been writing stuff mm -hmm. for longer than just uh, since you started the book. But did you feel that it was more difficult to to be creative during the pandemic? So many people felt that way. She did it. Um, you know, I actually, I was worried before even knowing about the pandemic when mm -hmm. I signed up for self-publishing school. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get this done. I'm not going to get anything <laughs> done um, because uh, my job and other little projects that I do on the side, I have to travel a little bit around the city. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to accomplish writing a thing. 
but the uh, the pandemic actually um, slowed me down. So I had time to prioritize and figure out what it is that I really want to get out in the world. What is my purpose and how can I share something during this these difficult times and a sad time? Mm-hmm. And I keep hearing people like say, find the silver lining. So writing has actually been a wonderful distraction. And I actually started doing some like other projects, art um, related things. I did some dancing in the summertime. I collaborated with some other artists and we did a, a piece about, um, it, we call it the elements of nature and connecting to the earth. Um, and we went out to like a little creek and we did all these different things. And I started uh, doing some other collaborations with other artists, writing some poetry together and pushing that out. So I'm like, I got it. So for some reason, <laughs> I have to move. Like I felt the desire to create more and on my own without you know, a a theater or an organization pushing me to do so. And that definitely feels different. I I thought a lot about the setbacks that happened during this time, you know, the pandemic for number one, but also um, I had some other personal things happen while writing this book where I got into two car accidents Mm -hmm. um, this summer and one that totaled my car. And so that really set me back, which is why I think I took even longer (laughs) um, in getting the book out than needed to be. Um, And so that had me reflect. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think something more can be added to this book and not necessarily to the story, but just in the book. And Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure I put in there a reminder or a word about God in it. I I didn't have that in there before, not until like the end of October when my book was already with the illustrator. So your perspectives and your thoughts can change and most times, hopefully for the better. For the better. (laughs) Uh, You also have a book giveaway for the holidays. Is that still going? Oh my gosh. Oh my, the book giveaway, another challenge. (laughs) Um, But no, no, uh, it's closed. It closed after New Year's and it was a lot of work, but it was fulfilling. And the end result made me feel very warm inside. Um, So I highlight the entire month of December, um, 20 children's books, traditionally published authors and then self-published authors um, that I actually know um, who are involved in self-publishing school. And I reached out to them and they they sent me signed copies of their books to be put into the giveaway. And so, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to receive those books. Every time I was getting mailed copies of them from different countries you know um, I had a young girl and I'll shout her out too she's 12 years old and she wrote a book and I found her um, through Facebook and she was like I want to put my book in the giveaway yeah and she signed it and she mailed it to me and I think that's so cool she's what's from the, the name UK. Um, maybe you called- can have yeah, the name and the title of the book. <laughs> it's called Azuri. Why did you do that? I think it's, uh, she actually drew her own, um, you know, uh, illustrations for it and put it oh. in. Uh, it's on Amazon. And so I put her in the giveaway as well. I'm actually going to put her in my most recent one coming up um, That is that goes along with the release of my book. So I'll give two more books out to five different winners. So the thing with this giveaway that I did, Um, before even my book coming out was a lot because 20 books and trying to get all the authors to send them to me in a timely fashion and then finding the winners uh, had 10 winners they all received two books they got like a pen they got some stickers and you know all these other little goodies I put some hot chocolate in there and that was a lot 
you know, to yeah. do by myself to package it, to ship it. And some were shipped international and that is a lot too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it allowed me to, again, travel a little bit <laughs> um, with people and to meet some new people who are really kind. And we need that right now. So, but yeah, I'm running another giveaway, but a very small one. <laughs> when is it going to be? So people can check it uh, definitely on, on your website. Yeah. So I want to do it for February for Black History mm -hmm. Month. So the authors um, will be people of color. Yes. And um, yeah, it'll be paired up with my book. So you'll get that book and then someone else's. And they're, they're self-published authors. And I think one is a traditionally published author. Great. Just uh, have to keep an eye on that. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> like we spoke before, you've been performing and organizing spoken word for about 10 years in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, how did you come across spoken word and how did it become so important to you? Yes, another good reflection question. So I actually started with spoken word when I was in high school. Like I said earlier, I didn't really like talk like often in school and especially like elementary school. But as I got older, I, I really loved giving speeches. Like when it was time to like present a project in class, I was like, bam, like this is going to be my time. Like, And for some, I don't know why I just really enjoy speaking in front of, um, you know, my classmates or whatever. And so when I was in a junior in high school, um, my teacher had us all do like a project on folklores. Mm -hmm. And she paired us up with another student and we had to present on the story we were given. And my partner, she was like, okay, I'll help with writing and thinking about the idea for our little piece. You want to do a poem? I was like, yeah, sure. That could be quick. And then um, she was like, and I'm not getting up to perform it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, and it was okay. We still got good credit. Uh, you know, it could be one or both of us to go up. And so I went up and said the poem and the like my classmates like stood up and they clapped and cheered. And I was like, really? No, me? Yeah. <laughs> I, that was the first time that happened. And, but I, that's a lie. That happened to me before um, when I was in elementary school, I was running for secretary and I had to do a speech for that. But I always thought again, like, oh, I'm going to be like a journalist. I can do speeches. or something. <laughs> but when I did that in high school, and it was for poetry and it was through art. I was like, oh my gosh, this feels different. I feel confident and like I can actually talk to people because I can tend to like go on and on and ramble and not know what to say. But through poetry, I feel like I have control of my words. And so from there, people were like, you should enter in these contests. And there was one called AXO is a national um, competition for young people of color in the US. Um, and it stands for the Afro Cultural Technological Olympics of the Mind. And it's like students from all engage in the arts and, you know, education and, and engineering or science and things like that. And we're all in this one space together. Um, so I got to compete nationally um, in New York and Kansas City when I was in high school. And that gave me the big head. Um, I need to be <laughs> humble. AmeriCorps actually humbled me. Um, but that right there, like exposed me to the world of the arts and spoken word. And so, yeah. <laughs> And you used to then organize the spoken words. Um, how would you call that? Performances, right? Yeah, yeah. But 
are you still organizing them online now that people can't meet anymore? I know. I know it has changed. Um, like I said, I, I do feel called to write poetry um, during this season. And I figured out different avenues. Like earlier this summer, I collaborated with another spoken word artist and we uh, did a piece about understanding and we I thought about what if understanding were a person what would she think about the world and so I wrote this piece from the perspective of understanding and then <laughs> the young lady collaborated with me uh, she wrote about faith and we wrote about hope and we collect we like combined and mashed up the words and we performed it and we um, shared a, a zoom presentation around it I had another artist that I know who is trying to start his own uh, theater company here in Cleveland. And, and you can check him out at The Labyrinth. He's really cool on IG. But he got us all together and we did this um, performance for the community through Zoom. You know, we're finding different avenues, right? Yeah. Um, to make sure that we can still express ourselves. So Yeah, I have the feeling like here in Rotterdam, there are there is also at least one uh, spoken word circle and it's been going on via zoom as well you can yeah. it's not the same of course but nothing is the same but people continue yeah. to create art that way because it's better than just not doing it for sure i think it like again if you can reach a few people um i think that's important in any capacity so you work for an education non-profit organization and i like to I'd like you to talk about it further. What's the name of the organization? I, I think you can disclose it, right? And what does it do? Yes. So I uh, work for City Year. And we are, again, an AmeriCorps organization. So it's a national organization. AmeriCorps has tons of programming where you could get involved in like environmental things and civil rights and all that kind of stuff. And so our big piece, um, we focus on education. That is our umbrella. And so we go into um, schools where the graduation rate is fairly low. Mm -hmm. And we look to make sure that we are taking a whole school, whole child approach to learning. So we hire young people, um, 18 to 25. So you can have just graduated from high school. You can just graduate from college or have a GED and you can do this program with us. And you go into schools. Um, again, we're national. So we have like 29 org, um, sites all across the country. So you can serve here in Cleveland or you can go to California, Miami or something like that, Chicago, and do a service year for, uh, we call it the gap year. So it's about mm -hmm. 11 months. And those 18 to 25 year olds go into schools and they focus on what we called the ABCs of learning. So hoping to attract attendance, behavior, learning how, helping students learn how to respect their teachers, their peers, as well as themselves. And then they also help with coursework. So helping in math and literacy and creating lesson plans and learning how to engage with students with different learning styles. They work on a team of about eight or nine other individuals, all coming from different walks of life. And they're there to do a service um, to the community and also to help build themselves up, to learn a little bit about who they are as a person. So, Do you want to talk about your role in the organization? Sure. So I, I actually served as an AmeriCorps member in Cleveland. I did two years of service with them. I worked with third graders and then I became a team leader. So there's a lot of room for growth within the mm -hmm. organization. So instead of working directly with the students in the classroom, I was like leading those 18 to 25 year olds and making sure that they got the job done and they had support throughout the year. But I actually 
graduated the program in 2017. And I went to Atlanta to do some public policy work. I didn't care for Atlanta too much. Um, <laughs> it wasn't for me. How about that? I, I think I can visit it, but I don't know if I can live there. Yeah. And so I came back home and City Year brought me back. And now I work as a staff member. I am in the recruitment and admissions department for the Cleveland site. And yeah, it's, uh, again, this has been a, a good space for me to build up some confidence, to learn how to engage and talk with people and discover a little bit about them and how I can discover about myself so <laughs> and you said that education and art have the power to transcend our circumstances can you expand on that yes so through my art like participating in it uh, to viewing um, other people's art I can feel um, a transformation so when we can express ourselves and hear other stories I would hope that empathy shines or at least understanding or a simple conversation comes out of that actually a few years ago I went to the Legacy Museum in Alabama and as we walked through this space there were people of all ethnicities there. And at one of the portraits, a woman who said she felt like when she was younger, she was prejudiced. Um, and she had a conversation with me standing in front of this piece of art. And she shared her frustrations about how she once viewed history and how she sees change is needed in this day. And that's mm -hmm. huge, right? And we did that conversation through looking at art on yeah. a wall. Um, and I believe art, especially when it has a powerful message, it has the power to heal and uplift, so. Is there going to be any in-person presentation of the book this year or online events that readers can, can keep an eye on? Do you know anything, anything planned for this year? No, I have. I don't have anything in person, unfortunately. I would love, I imagine, like going to bookstores and libraries and things of that nature, but uh, not now. But I do plan to um, create a reflection workshop. Um, I believe uh, reflection is key in life so that you can grow. And I'm thinking of doing something in the spring that's centered around writing and stories and children's books. Um, I think springtime sounds nice. And I have mm -hmm. a few um, more book giveaways coming up that I think would be really nice to do. Yeah. Where can people find you online? So you can find me at thecolorofstories.com um, and then also on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also trying out Twitter. Uh, you can find me on the Color of Stories 10. That's the number 10 uh, on those platforms. And also I have a personal Instagram. It's mint for curls and that's mint the number four curls. And then also I'm on YouTube with mint reads to the world and generation light. Generation light with the why instead of an I and that's more so the the dancing and the poetry piece of it <laughs> great I will leave every link on the show notes so that people know where to find it without any mistakes <laughs> so <laughs> it's you. it's more obvious to see now this is a question I ask everyone and I would like you to talk about an all-time favorite book and a book you would recommend right now and why an all-time favorite book can be more than one 
not 20, but it can be like two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't necessarily have an all-time favorite book, but I have enjoyed reading Homegoing, and that's by Ya Agazi. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I said her last name right. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. It, it had me in tears, like the first couple chapters of like bawling. Um, so I really enjoyed that. So <laughs> It's great to hear because I have it on my TV read. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I'm going to do a body read with a friend. Uh, read so, it. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> that and the, um, the sequel, Transcendent. I think it's a sequel, I think, or a prequel. But it's the book that was um, edited next, published next. Yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Transcendent Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear. I've been thinking about picking that one up. So I might. Yeah. <laughs> so before we end this episode, first of all, thank you so much. It was great talking to you and getting to know your work. But I would like to ask you to read some of your slam poetry for us. Uh, but before you read it, I'd like you to tell the listeners which poem you chose and why. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for having me, too. Uh, this is, again, a great traveling experience through podcast. <laughs> um, but so the poem that I would like to share with everyone is called Queen of Connection. And this piece is um, something that I did back in 2019 uh, with the, the theater company that I work with, Maelstrom Collaborative Arts. And we had to do like, um, well, it was just anything you wanted to do, but the performance or the production was connection. We are all connected somehow. How are you going to do this, Martinique? Do something, anything. <laughs> and I had to create it from scratch. And so I thought it would be cool if I was connection again i love like personifying words so if connection were a person what would she think (laughs) and so i created like yarn and put this yarn and tied it all over my body on my legs my arms my stomach around my waist and the audience got a chance to pull on the yarn as i was dancing and moving and i had a voice speaking about the purpose of connection and so they would pull me different ways the audience and the crowd and then at the very end of that audio I stood up and I said this poem so I like to share it please queen of connection we are one no matter what we do no matter how hard we try to break loose we are one who are we but people in search of things another being another place to see who am I you must not know for being lost in a wonderless world can break your soul so come be vulnerable with me replace yourself and be a link between your heart and mine we are one what better way than to hold on to pieces of me i'm calling out to everyone give purpose and meaning to our lives everybody grab a piece of justice freedom harmony and peace please no stories of disconnection for the internet is not my mode of affection this is something we all need don't unravel it don't let it rip this is our chain i am the link to stop your constant fear i am your sense of worthiness no longer worrying if you're worthless for i love you and i hope you love me too i grant you access to who you are not who you think you should be let yourself flow be authentic and simply let that ish 
go embrace vulnerability for I make people see their own beauty this is not comfortable yet it won't always be excruciating it will always be necessary continue to hold on make my web spread from sea to shining sea send your positivity your wholeness you are worthy of connection no matter what we try to do how hard we try to break away or snap the chain let it be for who are we who am i you ask for I am the queen, nothing like Elizabeth, Margaret, Eleanor, or Beatrice, not like Latifah, although I can spit some rhymes. Be my link in a chain of love. Be the harmony I hear from music above. Be the joy from the sun, the flowers in bloom. Let me caress you when you are sad and blue. For hello, my web is tied to you. We are one. I am the tree, the dirt, the earth, the sea, the man with a cane, the woman living life drain, no matter race, creed, or color. For the sake of humanity, I bring us together, for I am the queen, the queen of connection. You can access today's show's notes via my pod page, which you can find along with all of my social media links at linktree slash Karina Pereira. For specific podcast links, check linktree slash A Story of Sorts. In there, you will also find a link to A Story of Sorts playlist available on Libre.fm, containing the audiobooks recommended by our guests, which will be updated as the show progresses. If you'd like to give Libre.fm a try, you can use the code ASTORYOFSORTS at checkout to get two books for the price of one. This offer is valid for new Libre.fm members in the US and Canada. Libre.fm is an audiobook platform which allows you to buy audiobooks directly from an indie bookstore. Check them out. If you have enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review and to subscribe. For regular updates on what I'm reading, follow my Instagram page at A Story of Swords. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new interview, this time about social media management. I'll talk to you then, and thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you.